get you easily I kissed you in a day The way you looked at me was all you had to say I never worked so hard when you walked by I never ran so fast I seemed to fly And I don't want to come down Cause I don't want to say goodbye So, yes, um, this this podcast I've been waiting to do for a very, very long time. This I am with Craig McLeish. Hello, tough, Hi. tough, toughy, tough. Toughy. Not, not so much toughy now. Toughster. You used to have a massive tuft of hair on the front of your... Did I? Yes. Is that why you thought it was called... Oh, it's tough. That's why I thought you were called toughy. But, no. so, I, I am talking to you toughy from Fat and Frantic. Hello. Hello, hello. I'll tell you why they called me tough. Go on then. Do you want to know? Yeah. Um, so when I joined the band, I didn't. They started without me, which is a bit rude. I thought a couple <laughs> of years before I joined. No, I joined about in, in October '86 mm-hmm. when they needed a bass player. I did a little audition on a little Spanish guitar. Took the top two strings off and, and learned all their songs on a little. Guitar. Oh, you haven't got your microphone on. Ah, should we start again? Then? Sorry. Just keep going. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, off we go. Keep going. Um, so the tough thing, yes, and and that was one of my first gigs. I think it was uh, there was Jim. I think he had another. I don't know what he was called. Fat was fat. Silas had had some Terry or some other thing. Terry and 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 petrol and worm and Bocky. They were all different, you know. Yeah. And I said, well, I haven't got a nickname. And Jim looked at me and said, Well, that's just tough, isn't it? Ah, okay. There we go. That is exactly what happened. Okay. So word for word. Okay, um, so you already said that you came into the band late, they'd already started. You obviously replaced another bass player. Yes. So you played bass for them, but you didn't just play bass, did you? You were, you have an eclectic taste where you can play, I take it you can play practically anything. Well, not practically anything. I don't play anything with, I, I can't play any wind instruments. I okay. Can't blow. Okay. Give me a clarinet, I wouldn't know what, what end to start what? with. Okay. Yeah, no, I, yeah, play a few little things and. Um, uh, I'm a, more of a, I'm more of a, you know, my musicianship, as I said earlier on, you know, I had a disappointment with my, with my singing, my voice didn't work out the way I wanted to. Yeah. So I ended up directing and arranging mm-hmm. other people rather than being a certain singer. And so, um, uh, but saying that, so you, you did, you did sing for Fan Frank and you did do some solo. Yeah, let me do so. a couple of, couple that's very nice of them. If you wrote a song, if you wrote the lyrics to a song, you'd normally end up singing it. That was a nice way of how it worked. Didn't always work like that, but I mean, often, more often than not, that's how it worked out. Okay. Okay. You wrote the lyrics, you could sing them. So, Fan Frantic were a skiffle, skiffle gospel group, would you say? Is that a. Skiffle gospel? Skiffle What's that? Go- scoffle. A scoffle, yes. <laughs> Some of the, it was like punk skiffle, so it ended up being piffle. Yeah. Scoffle was piffle. We're a piffle band because yeah. we're a punk, like a punk skiffle band. Um, um, and no, not really. All sorts of things. All sorts of things. Because yeah. you do used to do country and western. You obviously did a little bit of rock and roll. Acoustic and roots. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, let's talk about your time in Fan Frantic. You were thrown into stardom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I you know, I mean, I can remember Greenbelt, you know, uh, the signing tent. 
the queue was out the, out the door and there you guys were signing signing away and having pictures taken and kissing people. It was, weird. It it was, was weird to go to this place where you were suddenly, you know, everyone was talking about you or looking at you and it was a very, a very strange situation. Outside that, nothing. Inside Greenbelt, you know, oh, it's bad running. So it was, it's, it was great to have that sort of, uh, we had a kind of a cult status, I suppose. Your fans were... You either in or not, you know? Yeah, your fans were very loyal. Very loyal. I know, because I was one of them. I was, I was, and, and here I am. I know, I know. This is what I'm going to be waffling a bit. Now we already said that I probably know things that you were this forgotten. Is this is undoubtedly. So, um, yeah, let's talk about the band. There was you. There was Jim. Yep. Now, Jim obviously was the front man, or was he not? No. <laughs> he was more often the front man because he wrote a lot of the lyrics. Okay, yeah. So that's, that's how it worked, and I think he assumed the mantle of a sort of spokesman quite a lot of the time. But I think we took it in turns to lead the band. You know, Silas, when he did Brian or Trainspotter, those are the two the two songs. The side, you know, and Silas took the stage, and what a performer! I know, what I know, iconic art he invented. He invented almost a new way of performing with with <laughs> with with a washboard sometimes washboard, as well. <laughs> and then Fat John, you know, when he took the stage. He had a calm persona, more calmness. The lights, the lights would all change, and every, change. everyone would become very, very turn, yeah. But he had this calm, avuncular kind of sort of genial bit thing going on with a twinkle in his eye and quite mischievous still, but sort of you know very dry humour. I love that, it's yeah, dry humour. So there's all these different strands going on all the time. So you, you, you effectively were a boy band, maybe. You, you were, and as with all boy bands, you've now revived yourself. Certainly, certainly acted, certainly <laughs> yeah. acted like children. How old were you when you actually were in Fat and Frantic? Late twenties was when we started. So late, I was late. We were all pretty much late twenties when it when it got going. Because the group I used to go, basically when we went to come see come come see you guys, it was we had the, the smallest group was four. Yes. Biggest group was about twenty. Yeah. Of which, three quarters were female. Yeah. Okay, and they all fancied you. Thank you. They only came to see you. That was the only reason why they came. I came because I, I like the band and I like the music and I love seeing Jim standing on top of those speaker stacks, yeah. telling everyone to get down on the floor during yes. Werewolf. Of course. Uh, and they and then they would and at the end of it, it'd be like right, we go around the back. We go around the back, gonna gonna get everything you know, signed. Sign the t-shirts. Sign the t-shirts. Yeah, it was a lovely thing to do, and it was it was it was a way of, we never quite sort of really thought we were doing it properly. The Silas always had this kind of, um, there's a thing, there's a, there's a syndrome, I'll call it. It's fear of being found out. I know it's got a name, I know what it's called. And we talked about this in the van. We thought, you know, one day we're going to wake up, someone's going to wake up and realise we're actually rubbish and we can't do what we're doing. But we're pretending to do it and it seems to work. So, you know, we're having the, doing the t-shirts, we're doing the, we're recording songs, <laughs> we're going on telly, we've got gigs, you know, we're a band. You know, I was going to say, you must have been doing something, right? You were on, the, you were on uh, Live and Kicking. In the back going in the live, live going, going, what was it? Was it going live or live and kicking? Lowing, I think we did lowing, live. Lowing by. Going <laughs> live and lowing. Yeah, on all those Saturday morning things, it was great. Uh, we did the Hitman and, you, and Her with uh, oh my, what? Kayla Strachan and uh, Pete Waterman. Pete Waterman, he didn't sign you though. No, no, <laughs> and we only mimed for that. It was a very weird, weird gig. The BBC and had I think a... Eddie Orr was the drummer for that, so we, okay. Simon couldn't do it, so we got Eddie to drum for him. And it was miming, so it was it was fine. But yeah, I mean, and obviously you you mimed when you sung on um, going live. We weren't going to originally. We were going to be playing live twice, and yeah. then something happened. Some megastar came on, like George Michael or Kylie came on, and 
and they were the main. And then we had to be we were shunted down the pecking order, of course, because we were only independent. Yeah. And then we had to mime. And the story is that I had rehearsed meticulously <laughs> my vocals for "I Don't Want to Say Goodbye" to to make it look like I knew I was singing along and it wasn't mining. So I was I was con- I was determined that people wouldn't think I was mining. Hang on, I'm finished. Sorry. Let me just finish. Sorry, the sorry. Yeah, I just got something I've got to say, but I'll still say first. <laughs> carry on, carry on. <laughs> so I learned this, but there was another version of "Goodbye" on the dat that they, Bocky had to give You had to, to explain what that is. The DAT was the digital audio tape that we, you'd carry your master thing. You'd give that to the producer of the show to play in those days. These Hopefully at the right order. Exactly. Yeah. So they played the wrong one. They played the rough vocal where I breathed in different, all the different places. And you can see me, if you watch it, if you have a, a copy of this somewhere on VHS. No, I don't. I don't. It's on YouTube or somewhere. You see at the beginning where I go, um, uh, I met you easily, and I look in the I look up the sky because I'm really immediately realise it's the wrong vocal. So, do you actually sing, sing, or do you just mime? I mean, oh, I was singing along. You were singing. You're so. I was singing along there. The words so we weren't being recorded. Yeah. But the point was, I'd learned where all the phrasing was, what to do with my mouth, when to breathe, all that thing. I rehearsed it because I was convinced. I wanted my dad to think you sang that live beautifully. You know, didn't want him to know that I was mine. But. So I didn't do it properly because I'm breathing in all the wrong places because they played the wrong blooming <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, what, what it is... I've not let it go, have I? No, you haven't. Still. So, oh, you wouldn't let it go. Wouldn't you, you, wouldn't get it, you wouldn't let it lie. <laughs> <laughs> but I did interview you, you did. at the back of the Mean Fiddler with Silas because you told exactly the same story. That must have just happened when I interviewed you right. back in the day. So that's very boring that I've repeated myself. No, 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 it's fine. 30 years. It then actually, because I've been thinking, did I interview him or not? It's a true story. So I remember Silas was there, because right. he was gobbing ice cubes into a, into a cup. Quite In likely. pure rock and roll style. Yes. Okay, and he, he said, well, we're all gonna have a go at this, get this game right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and the rest of the band were doing something else, drinking water or whatever. Oh, and water, oh, the larks. Yeah, so. And, the and, larks we had. But um, okay, so um, let's talk about some of your singles. Mm. Okay, now you hit the charts. You hit the yeah. charts, mate. With not quite. Well, hundred. Hundred and one. Twice. Okay, but um, ah, oh, last, last night, night wife. wife hoovered my head, which is a true story, apparently. Apparently, it is. Yes. From but Jim. You see, it's interesting. We got we we nearly got higher than we when we ended up. Okay. Um, we were independent. I think we made about ten thousand singles, and by Tuesday they'd all gone. So, because the fans were so ready to buy it, I went into HMV. I was there. Thank Bang! You. Thank one you very of, much. That was one of you. Thank yep. You. So by Tuesday, we were like in the top twenty-five. So Billboard rang us up. Said, "Who? Who are you? Yeah. No one knows who you are. You're going to be in the top twenty, and no one knows who you are. Where have you come from?" But because there were no more copies anywhere, we gradually drip, dropped down the, the, the charts. So Sunday, when it was released, when it was, the news was out, we were down to 101, just out to the 100. If we were the top 100, 100, we'd have had a lot more interviews, a lot more exposure, a lot more airplay. We just, it was just not quite enough. So if we'd made maybe 20,000, if they'd been there, didn't have the distribution, we didn't have the plugging. You know, we did have that, we, but it was very independent, very small, very homespun. So that's the story. 
I mean, the thing is, obviously, that the reason for that single Whoops. doing so well is because um, Simon Mayer was championing it as well on, on his record show. He was on the breakfast show, Radio One, pushing yes. you, pushing, 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 yes. because you have that, um, uh, your Fan Frantic um, and Simon Mayer, obviously, at Greenbelt together. Um, so yeah, well, we had, we had um, when he did the evening show, uh, he asked us to do... Um, there's a, 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 a session. We did a session. A session. A session. I think back in eighty-seven. Was that an acoustic set? Was it? No, we did. Simon played drums. We did "Waiting for the Queen to Burp," which I remember. The, <laughs> the, uh, the, do you remember that one? Which uh, Silas did, and um, the engineer thought we were the most stupid rubbish she'd ever heard, and she she didn't. Um, the assistant engineer, this is yeah, at Made Vale Studios. Uh, she wasn't shy in coming forward with her with her views. But Ted DeBono, I think he liked us, and he gave us a real chunky sound. And there's a really nice chunky version of, uh, of Hoover on that on that session. And Simon said, "That's the best I've heard them recorded." Um, and that was still early days, but it was amazing to be. Simon was wonderful, and he championed us as much as he possibly could. Yeah, you know, um, he's just an, he was a nice bloke. He really. Yeah. I, I saw him a couple of times. He, he did. Oh, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Um, he did. Um, he did some. Um, work with Paul Gambaccini and that and mm. talks and things like that yeah. um, which I went to um, yes, interesting. but yeah so uh, let's talk can I just touch on Fan Frantic and and the Christian side yeah. now you a lot of your songs are Christian based mm-hmm. um, they talk about God they talk about prophets um, so how does that sort of come about uh, was it just the fact that you were all Christian based and you started yeah. well I think it, it emanated I mean I wasn't there at the very start, but it emanated out of a kind of youth group mm-hmm. uh, mentality and a, and a need to, you know, entertain the rest of the youth group. Yeah. So I think Fat, Silas and Fat started as a, a duo doing silly songs. I don't know what they. Uh, there's some there's some early early stuff. If you're a true fan, you may have come across a couple of. Songs. I'm sort of from the wonky donkey sort right, of. No, no, you have to go further back than that. Okay. There's a thing called "To the Spanner Born." by oh. Junction 16 <laughs> which some people say is the first the very first uh, fat, fat and Frantic album and there's another cassette there called Big Hats and Small Heads which is just before um, Aggressive Sunbathing? No uh, no it was before that Waxing a Hottie was the, oh yes was the first cassette yeah. with Brian on um, so you, you there is there is a there is a sort of lead up to that with with uh, Fat and Silas um, singing um, very odd odd stuff um, and then Jim was brought on as a friend who just had, when they did their first gig at Greenberg in 1985 I think Jim had one song I think it was either Billy and Jackie or or Barry's Car Barry's Car maybe and um, they made it up as they went along literally on the, on the fringe <laughs> and they they did this gig and then the, 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 that was where the sort of you know the rumours started it, it started oh right and then 1986 uh, Greenbelt. I was there as my very first ever Greenbelt. Yeah. This is the year of the storm, and I remember walking past the big top, listening to some absolute raucous cacophony, huge crowd in the big. I said, like, "What's going on in there?" So it's fat and frantic. We couldn't get in. The queue was four hours long. So oh, okay, fine. Never heard of it. Then I weirdly had a friend who who knew them. Okay. We were linked in with our sort of uh, midweek fellowships in, uh, in in London when I was at the Guildhall. Yeah. And I ended up reading worship downstairs and fact leading worship with a youth group upstairs. 
and um, you didn't ask me this question, but this is how I got hold of the band. No, that's and fine. So, that's fine. <laughs> so I met, and, I, and I, 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 we did a song, and then they would do a song, and then I would do that song. So we would sort of weirdly morph our worship songs into each other for <laughs> different groups. And then I met Fat in the Kitchen, I think, in a break. I said, who are you? So oh, I've heard of you, Fat. Fat, you were group. I went, yeah. Yeah. So well, how's it going? He said, well, well, it would be going if we had a bass player. Oh. <laughs> and apparently, he says, apparently, little bass guitars appeared in my eyes. You know, like in Tom and Jerry, yeah. where sort of, ding, the dollar signs would appear in the eyes. Apparently, I went, oh, I played a bit of bass. I actually, it wasn't a lie, because I had played a bit of bass at, in, a, in, a, in a band, no, a duo in York University, a couple of Beatles songs. And so it wasn't a lie, but I wasn't actually a bass player. Yeah. Um, and they said, would you like to audition? So I did. Wow. There you go. And then the following year, we were about 87, we were headlining Big Top. And you were on stage with all those fans. That was a good gig. That was... 87, Big Top. I mean, you were, I mean, Fat and Frantic were known for, for being totally chaotic on stage. I'm, I, I'm not going to lie. You, you would stand there playing your bass, looking, looking good. All the girls going, oh, there's, there's, there's Tuffy. I, I love him. Wish and then you had, wish I'd known that then. Then you had <laughs> Jim sort of bouncing around, jumping yes. from one speaker stack to another, right. getting everyone to sit on the floor or lay down. Yes. Um, and then you had Silas mm. eating people's hair. Eating his hair, doing tongue, tongue gymnastics. He used to do gymnastics <clears throat> with his tongue. He was he was a strange person. He still is a strange person. Not was he still is a strange person. I mean, I would possibly even agree with that. They're quite unusual, but an amazing. I, I would love to get into the mind of Silas because I I think he I've I've watched a few YouTube videos on yes. uh, you know and he's quite often with his washboard. Mm-hmm. He like he loves his washboard mm-hmm. bits, and he is just he's just totally out of it majority of the time and he he brings that forward in his in his performance as well it's in, in his life too really i mean you know uh, i don't you've obviously caught the recent uh, video which we're going on to but yes the fact that he's lying fully clothed Both. in a jacuzzi in a hot tub hot tub yes uh, accompanied by puppets it's perfect it is and yeah. we're, we're talking about obviously hungry Yes. Which is the, it's not your latest, it's, it's not a latest single, but it's your latest release out into the big <laughs> wide world. No, it, just, <laughs> it, it just happened because we, we wanted to do something, I mean, we wanted to do something together and try and, you know, a lot of bands were doing these lockdown things, so eventually we thought, guys, should we do it? Why don't we do it? I mean, a lot of, obviously a lot of groups have done it. Um, Fat and Frantic put their own spin, spin on it. There's mm. you playing guitar, there's Nigel, Playing the keys, just standing there playing the keys, making, making tea, tea. Um, and you. There's obviously Fat doing what he does. Just the thing I like, yes, uh, throwing mandolins in the air and um, sitting in a in a swivel chair in the middle of a garden. Yeah, with the sun glinting. Off it was. It was a case. Oh him. Yeah. It, it was. It was a case of right. What we need to do is we need to make this exciting as possible. So, and then Jim and Silas bring their totally different spin to it whatsoever. I mean, you've got Jim who's not even singing. He's he's got a mask over his face, and he's obviously he's just got the which is in excess is because that's what the, they did in one of their Dylan, Dylan, yes, yeah. So who are you? Who are you all <laughs> for Wellington's funeral? I mean, where are you quoting from? Yeah, exactly. There's uh, but and then you've got Silas who's sitting in um, you know the hot tub, and it's just like it's just fantastic. And then you finish up, I think, with the group shot at obviously a green belt with you guys on stage. That slayed me actually when I first saw that because it was Silas's son Zach who 
edited all the, the videos together. Okay. We didn't know, we didn't plan any of it. We didn't mm. know what we were going to do. We just sent it in. And um, he put it all together. And then he found this, obviously, this footage of us 30 years previously. There's some footage, I think it's town and country or some very, looking us with hair. And they told us have hair. I know. And the thing is, though, it was, ideally, it, it was made for Greenbelt initially, yeah. wasn't it? The whole single was, well, now this is going to be for Greenbelt. It's no. going to be released. It wasn't planned. No? No, not initially. That... It just took us so long. <laughs> by the time we almost had it ready, Greenbelt was around the corner, and it seemed to make sense. Yeah, just sort of let them know about it, and bless them, they they squeezed us into their into their virtual into their virtual performance. So we had a, we had a slot, which was really nice. Yeah. Tell people that. I mean, a lot of people, most people missed it, uh, which is symptomatic. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. People yeah, watch it now. and it's it's fun. And the the most fun thing about it is that we are still alive. And that we are still in contact with each other, and and that um, because you all you all work so well together as as a group, it, very disparate parts, you know, working with <laughs> each other, fitting in like a puzzle, like where you can't really see which the individual elements of the puzzle are very weird and very different, mm. but they all fit together in a certain way. I mean, the the thing is, you you all sing your individual songs. Um, you know, you have um, Simon does backing. Obviously, Nigel does backing. But the, the four of you, you know, you are the the core of Fat and Frantic. You will come forward. So you will come forward. You will do your bit. Jim will leap forward. He'll do his bit. And when you're not needed, you go and stand at the back. Yeah. It's just like 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 being. Uh, we are allowed occasionally to sort of you know to interact, but not too much. You can't do too much twatting about. Well, it's someone else's song. Well, this this is the thing. Um, I, beforehand, we were chatting just while you were making the coffee. Thank you very much. Coffee is very nice, by the way. Um, uh, about obviously Jim. Now, Jim had a thing for telling a little story before uh, you know before the song, um, getting people to lay on the floor during Werewolf. Mm. You know, was that all planned, or was it like when? Where is he going to go with this? Is no, he no? I, I don't think he, I, no, it wasn't planned. Maybe he in his head might have thought, I've got a new way of doing that. And he would maybe, being an artist like he is, a performer, yeah. constantly, and almost like, he's like a lyricist. He's, he's like a poet. He's very, very of the moment. He's very wordy. Very wordy, but it's a mixture of planning and, mm. and spontaneity. So that's the way it always was. It was this mixture of the loose and the tight. And um, I love that. I love the fact that he could basically, you know, when I, I Greatest memory. We always go back to this. Lots of great memories of Faf. But yeah. one, we, I think, we will look back to when we did Reading Festival. And unfortunately, not many Faf fans could get in there because you had to buy a ticket to Reading to get in there. They were all Faf turns. We had about cheap. five. <laughs> well, we, just, we were in the main fiddler, <laughs> main fiddler tent because the main fiddler we'd done quite a few gigs there. Um, yes. Be just there, so you yes. And luck, and the main fiddler were, I think, the organisers of a, of one of the, the big. They, tent yeah, they were promoters, a, weren't they? They were given a, a, a venue at Reading, so we did one weekend where we'd been at Edinburgh. We did uh, the Fringe Edinburgh for three weeks, and then we did Greenbelt and Reading in the same weekend, which is nineteen ninety. And we always said it was like being in hell in, he in in heaven in hell and in hell in heaven. It was completely the opposite round to what you would imagine. Yeah, this might be hard listening for some people. Because when we got to Greenbelt, it was not a greatest experience. Oh right. Yeah, but we'd been to Red, so we went to Reading. It was like wasteland, bomb site. You know, you couldn't tell the difference between the bodies and the rubbish and the sick and whatever. I was just like, it was unbelievable. And we thought, what's going on? And we went into the VIP section. It was all beautiful lawns, people <laughs> dressed up. You know, there's the 
VIP it was M and us, you know? You have your little pass and that. So. We had the passes, yes. Then we went into the big top, about three hours to go, we got there, and there were about five dead goths lying there. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Can you imagine the big top with five people? We thought, oh, God, no one, this is going to be a disaster. We don't know anybody. <laughs> Nobody knows us. So, we how long was your set? Half an hour. Okay. But someone may had played Hoover a couple of times that week. So it was a bit of a buzz. Yeah. And by the time we got back, it was full. Mainly of goths, but with a few fat, <laughs> fragile people. Look at these, these you can sort at the front with the t-shirts. With the t-shirts, yeah. What's, this? What, what's going on here? So yeah. that was very hard. <laughs> um, but we changed the gig. We changed the set halfway through. We thought, maybe right, maybe wrong, we weren't sure, to do quite a museo-y sort of a set. So I think we did aggressive sunbathing in yeah. the first 15 minutes. And which was quite of a museo-y type sort of, you know, slightly jazzy thing. We did a, another sort of nicey, nicey song, you know, a bit of maybe Who's Your Friend, Eddie. Ed, yeah. Um, one of these sort of polite sort of pop songs, you know. Yeah. And then after 15 minutes, I think we had a, a sort of plan. But Silas gathered in the middle of the stage and said, I think we've got them. You know, yeah, <laughs> I think we've got them, yeah. Got Let's do um, Trainspotter, Brown, Proud. Brian, Werewolf, uh, did it. All the Hoover hit them. Yeah. Seven songs, back to back. I'm getting emotional now. Just thinking about. I was going to say, you're the, yeah, it's like mm. it. I mean, to, 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 to I mean, yeah. but well, you weren't there. No, I wasn't. I wasn't there. Yeah. Jim managed to do. It, I think the second song was Werewolf, and he got all these goths on their backs howling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I sh I'll, I'll tell you what. The the the, the stories. I mean, some of my best life memories are of Fat and Frantic mm. um, you know it wasn't yeah you weren't just going to see Fat my, my, my parents were like you're going again <laughs> you're going again you <laughs> only went last week <laughs> yeah so me, me and Richard Day he picked me up in his little bruised banana that we called it it's Renault 12 yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. we would drive to wherever it was and we'd drive to the station we'd meet up with all the rest of the fans um, and it was like you know we all had jackets on with the with the with the man on the back or we had t fluorescent t-shirts yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd get weird looks, but when you were there, it's a bit like going to a Rocky Horror concert. You know, you dress up beforehand. Yes, People look at you a bit strangely. You know what's going to happen, but yeah. you want to be there to witness the event. And, you know. and then when you get there, you feel totally normal. You feel totally with it. But yeah. without, without wearing what you're wearing, you're like, you know. <laughs> and it's like, there was one bloke there. He had a denim jacket. And someone was offering money for this jacket. And he was like, well, I'll pay me and I'll make you one. You know, it was like, it was, it was just a great family and you got to know people because you saw them every week. Mm. And, you know, and getting to... Was there, when you say you came a week after week, was there an element that, you know, you did like the spontaneity, that they made something could happen that had never happened before? Yes. At a gig? Yeah, the, your, the sets were never the same. All right, you may have to, you may play the same songs, yes. but like Werewolf was different. The way it was put together. Yeah, was Doris was different. Yes. You know, uh, yes. you know the, the way or that... Jim might or Jim might do something in the middle of one of Silas's songs that would completely yeah. pull the rug up from him and sort of, hey, you have to sort of write, what are you going to do now then? Yeah, you know, yeah. Brian, Brian was there. And we, when, when that trumpet started up for Brian, it was like the whole crowd literally just went, oh my God, it's Brian. And you could see people running from the bar, you know, Brian, so Brian, so, you know. And then the whole crowd, it must have been like, it must have looked like a bit like a sea of heads just going up and down, basically. Sometimes it was, yeah. And, but the, the, the strangest gig I ever saw you at, there was two, which I'll, the first one was Trev and Simon. Okay. okay, you did it. I mean, the stupid tour. The stupid tour. It wasn't a stupid. It was called the stupid it was tour. The stupid yeah, tour. We, um, were, we were the band. We were the house band. 
You were, and you did a fantastic job, and you complimented Trevor Simon <laughs> so oh, well. We've got, we got booed off in Liverpool. Really? Yeah, because they weren't all Faf fans, they were Trevor Simon fans. And of course, some of the some of the people like, oh, they're a bit silly, they're mm. we like this. They went on, went down okay, and occasionally, but I know they didn't like us in Liverpool, the Apollo, we got, almost got booed off. Oh my God. Yeah, I didn't like it. They were hard. Because you were, I mean, all right, perhaps it was more of a southerner style band, Fat and Frantic, really. I mean, your, I think your core fans were this well, this side, we weren't lived they? in London, we were a southern softy band, yeah. We, yeah. Maybe it was harder to convince the people up north. Who up we north, were, yeah. Well, to like us, apart from the Greenbelt fans, who may, you know, we didn't venture too far north, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. In the early days, we did tour quite a lot. We went to Aberdeen once. That was memorable. I know. <laughs> so, grey city. The other, the other... Concert I want to talk about. Yes. All right, uh, we got we got a little nibble once, and we we fan frantic are performing at the Marquee Club, and we're like, do you know what? We're going. Never been to the Marquee Club mm. before, and I thought this is the perfect opportunity to go to the Marquee Club. So me and Rich, yeah. all right, bought the tickets. Right. Anyway, we get there. It's a combined gig with bad manners. Was it? It was. You were on the bad first manners. half. That bad was manners, wasn't it? No. Guildford Civic Hall was bad manners. No. We do, we do, come on, Marquee with them as well. It was the Marquee Club because. Well, the Guild, haven't the Guildford Civic Hall as well? The, yeah. And there was a completely interchangeable group of fans. <laughs> it was. So we had a <laughs> <Then we> had <laughs> the, ball, the bad manners guys came in, and then it was. That was I know. It was. That happened at Marquee yeah, as well. It was the weirdest thing Very because weird. all the Faf fans were at the top. Yeah. They weren't anywhere near the mosh pit because it no. was full of like. 27 inch high DM boots very large blokes yeah wearing braces and things Shaving like that heads, yeah so heads. we were all at the top stuck to the floor because Never it was stopped. the marquee club yeah. and you couldn't walk anywhere no. very very quickly and it was it was a great concert sticky floor, sticky floor. it was a great concert <laughs> but then like you say half time or half time interval yes that was it all change we go out they come in and they're fan and it was like it's just totally two different very concerts bizarre. I mean what was what was the mean? What what actually happened there? Why? I have no idea. I don't remember. I mean, I, I remember the same thing happened at Guildford Civic Hall. I think we just sometimes we were just asked to support bands. I we were supporting them. We normally would have bands support us. So if we were supporting somebody else, we weren't in charge. Yeah. So, you know, we did a few, couple of gigs where we we did one at Cambridge at a May Ball at Trinity where we were supporting Squeeze. I think one of my top bands. Squeeze. Squeeze. Oh my god! Really, squeeze. squeeze. And but the part of the part of the requisite to support squeeze was to add a horn section. Oh, that. oh well, you would so, do, wouldn't you? Yeah. So I had to write a lot of trumpet and sax parts all of, a sudden, <laughs> of things that never had trumpet and sa extra trumpet and sax. Well, Jim, yeah, you know, had trumpet. So but it was nice to be able to sort of fill the songs out like that. And we've got a recording of that gig actually. Uh, under rehearsed, but it was it was quite fun. And we had we had the horn section once at Town and Country, and a jazz pit before Nigel joined. Hmm. And another guy called, um, oh, what was his name? Uh, a lovely guy. He's gone, gone to, um, gone to uh, Canada, and he was more of a jazz, a jazz player. End of part okay. one. I met you easily. I kissed you in a day. I seem to fly 